Welcome to Calvary Atheism Podcast. We exist to make disciples who live and love like Jesus. We hope this blesses you. It is. What's up, everybody? Happy Sunday. How are we doing? Give me like a thumbs up, thumbs to the side, thumbs down. Or don't do anything. Let me see. Thumbs up, thumbs to the side, thumbs down. All right. Okay. We fared the rain. Jack's giving me a shaka. Um, hi, guys. Happy Sunday. For those of you that don't know me, I am Sophia Hartman. I'm the Associate Director of High School Ministry. I love my job. Best job ever because I get to be with you guys all the time. So um, really happy to be with you guys today. Let me just give you a brief little insight into my life right now. So um, for those of you that don't know, I am a certified doula, which means I help bring babies into the world at home mostly, and um, my best friend from college, she, uh, is, she is due to have her baby girl, Eden, and I was supposed to fly out on Friday to go deliver this baby in her home, but plans change, as, as they do, and I just was on FaceTime outside while she just had her baby girl Woo! over the phone. So, she... Now, you might be like, oh God, she's not in the hospital. Baby's totally fine. She's had four kids at home. Um, so I'll be leaving tomorrow morning at seven o'clock in the morning to go be with uh, them. They're like family to me. But anyways, so I'm gonna pray for us and I'm also gonna pray for this new baby that just got welcomed into the world. Her name is Eden Elise and um, she's about this big. She's a little peanut and she just was born like five seconds ago in a home where the word was being spoken, scripture was being spoken, and they were praying and there was worship on and it was just, man, the most peaceful way you could possibly enter this life. So let me pray for us before we start tonight. Also, just so you know, if I misspeak at all, I'm a little just enveloped in the beauty of what just happened for my friends. So um, hopefully tonight's just gonna go as God planned it. So let me pray. Lord, we just thank you so much for this evening, Father. Wow, you are magnificent. Jesus, you are perfect in all of your ways. Lord, I just dedicate this night to you that even though it's a small group, Father, because you brought us beautiful, beautiful rain. Father, I just declare right now that there would be safety in this land, but also, Lord, that you would just bring a a harvest out of this land, that you would bring a harvest out of Southern California in our hearts, just as the rain is falling right now, that it would be almost like a holy rain that then brings forth a harvest um, that we get to see of lives changed just by the gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for baby Eden who was just born. Father, we thank you and praise you that she is perfect, 10 fingers, 10 toes, um, Jesus, we just thank you so much that you uh, had provision there for that family. Um, and Lord, we just thank you for tonight that the word would go forth in spirit and in truth. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we have been in a series. This is week two of our series, Yes, I Will. Who was here last week when Drew absolutely slayed? Yeah, it was incredible. Drew did such a beautiful job just talking about Daniel chapter one, which is Daniel uh, and his friends getting brought into Babylon, getting brought into captivity, and then choosing to go against the grain of society and eat different to the other capt- captives, I was gonna say captors, but captives that also got brought in from Jerusalem uh, into Babylon. And so you find out about a king named Nebuchadnezzar, who if you watched Veggie Tales, he was the one who sang the bunny song. And we love King Nebuchadnezzar. I think it was, was it King Neb? Is that what they called him in VeggieTales or something like that? Anyways, and it was like chocolate rabbits that he was like obsessed with. Anyways, um, 
So we found out about King Nebuchadnezzar. We found out about a guy named Daniel and his three besties named Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael, who all, unfortunately, by the hands of this king, had to get their names, their culture, and their manhood stripped from them. And we'll talk about that in just a second. But these guys and the whole book of Daniel, truly the first six chapters, but the entire book and the character of Daniel that you're going to see over these next six weeks is a guy who has withstood the test of cultural norms and chosen God instead. That there are going to be times that we can now glean information and glean um, detail off of Daniel's life and we can glean revelation off of the life of Daniel that we can bring into today's society and things that we're gonna go through in these times that he went through and overcame. But there are gonna be times in your life as a follower of Jesus Well, you'll either have to speak up for something or you're going to have to bow. And the choice is going to be yours of whether or not you choose to speak up for the gospel or you bow the knee to the world society. Because let's be honest, we've all had an experience at one time or another where we've realized that following Jesus is actually 100% countercultural to the way everyone around you operates. It's 100% the opposite. 100% countercultural, whether it be in relationships or finances or choosing to be humble rather than being self-righteous or choosing uh, to walk in honesty rather than lying or walking in deceit, whether it's distraction or moral values or the way that you run your life, choosing to walk with Jesus is going to demand an explanation from the world around you. And when the time comes, we have two options. We either bow or we speak up. There will be that time. And I would love to say like, oh, some of you are going to make it out of this life and you'll never have to make a choice and pick faith or pick the world. But let's be honest. You guys are like 16, 17, 18 years old, and you've probably been faced with that decision on multiple occasions, maybe even multiple times today of whether or not you're going to choose the world or you're going to choose Jesus the world, or Jesus. And most of the time, like most of the time we think that the circumstances are surrounding us, that they're gonna be perfect. Okay, it's gonna be a perfect storm, just like in the movies. The guy's gonna come up to me and he's gonna offer me drugs. He's gonna offer me marijuana. And I am gonna face that guy off in the lunch, in the cafeteria, and I'm gonna say, I would never do something like that and smack that drug right out of his hand and walk away, right? We always think that when temptation and sin comes against us, it's gonna show up like High School Musical or something. When they're all on the tables and they're like, I wanna play the cello instead of basketball. Like, that's what we think our big decisions in life are gonna boil down to. When really you have that girlfriend or that boyfriend that you guys founded your lives in Christ and then one night it's a little too late and something happens. And you're like, oh goodness, where did that come from? Or you're cheating on a test mid-cheat and the teacher catches you. And you have a choice of whether or not to be honest about what your actions were portraying or lie and maybe get yourself into further trouble. Right? It's not the big blow-up conversation in the cafeteria of shoving and like big conflict, like T-birds versus the other people in Greece that I don't remember their names. Right? It's not always that big battle that big conflict that's right in front and go, oh, what an easy choice to make. It's usually a sl- just a slippery 
slippery slope, and all of a sudden, you're flown with all the other fish down the river. When following Jesus demands 100% the opposite of what the world asks of you. If the world wants you to put yourself on a pedestal, you say, I'm gonna get on my face before God every morning. When the world wants you to take drugs to escape the harshness of, a of your reality, you choose getting on your face before Jesus and saying, no, I'm gonna pray about this. I'm gonna cast my cares onto him, right? When, when wealth and finances just cost you a little bit of your soul, you're gonna say, no, I know that my God provides all of my needs according to his riches and glory. I don't have to do any of those things to get where he needs me to be. Following Jesus is 100, I wish I could say it's like 50% and the other 50 we can look cool and stick to the status quo with our people and all that stuff, but you can't. And so we're gonna hop into Daniel chapter two. If you've got your Bibles with you and you've got your notes, we're gonna be in Daniel chapter two the whole night. We're not going anywhere else. But we're gonna look into Daniel chapter two and we're gonna find out just how hard it is to go against the grain, but how worth it is to speak up when everybody else is silent. All right, so let's go to, um, actually before we hop in, let's just go through who Nebuchadnezzar is really fast. He's the king of Babylon, which is a notoriously uh, carnal nation, if you will. And what I mean by carnal is death, and destruction and polytheism and sexual immorality is just rampant in the nation of Babylon. And Babylon is not only in Babylon itself, but it's spreading out into places like Jerusalem and Judea and all the surrounding areas of Babylon. Babylon ruled the world. It was the Roman Empire before the Roman Empire, essentially. So he's the king of Babylon, and he is the one who we learned about in chapter one who stripped Daniel and his friends of their name, of their culture, and of their manhood. What do I mean by that? He stripped them of their names. He said, oh, you like being called Daniel? Psych, I'm calling you Belteshazzar now. Oh, and your three friends? Yeah, those are gonna be Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Is this ringing a bell? Shadrach and Benny, for another VeggieTales reference. Anyways, so they were stripped of their name, which to us might be like, ooh, cool, a new name. But for them in Hebrew culture, names meant so much more than just calling you by name, right? Taylor or Caleb or Tatum or Emily, right? We're like, oh, that's my name, cool. But if you wanted to call me Paprika, maybe that could be fun for today, right? We name our kids like Fence Post and we're like, oh, look at baby Fence Post. They're like, what does it mean? Nothing, right? The names are getting crazier and crazier and the E-I-G-H at the end, you all know what I'm talking about. Where it's like Ashley, L-E-A-S, H-L-E-I-G-H, Ashley, right? But in Hebrew culture, to name somebody was to speak over them their whole lives, the promises that God had for them. You even see in some children that are born out of families, out of wedlock or whatever it may be, that they're like, oh, we named this child Adonijah, which means abomination before God. <laughs> like, poor thing, has no, he has no control over how he got here. Right? Maybe we'll name him Fence Post instead. But names were huge. And they got stripped of their names. Right? Then they get stripped of their culture. They have to speak a new language. They have to speak Aramaic instead of speaking Hebrew. So that gets torn away from them. They have to go live in the palace in Babylon. They don't get to live in their childhood home or wherever they were raised. They don't get to be in the places that they recognize. They have to be in Babylon 
And not to go into too much detail, but most scholars believe that Daniel and his friends were forced to become eunuchs in the palace, which means that their manhood was completely stripped away from them. The very thing that they probably settled their identity in to this is who I am, they could no longer have children. So they're stripped of their name, their culture, and their manhood, and Nebuchadnezzar, this horrible, awful king, has a dream. And so in verse three, it says, and the king said to them, I had a dream and my spirit is troubled to know the dream, right? So King Nebuchadnezzar goes to sleep one night, he wakes up and he's like, whoa, what the heck was that? But instead of like a normal person going, hey guys, I had this dream, what do you think it means? He demands this, verse four. Then the Chaldeans said to the king in Aramaic, O king, live forever, this is what I just said, what all of us would say is, tell us the dream, tell your servants the dream, and we will tell you the interpretation. The Chaldeans were like magicians. They were enchanters, right? So they were the kinds of people who, like when Moses went before Pharaoh and Moses turned his staff into a snake and the magicians could also turn their staffs into snakes, but because our God is faithful and their God doesn't exist, their staffs never became staffs again. They stayed snakes and Moses's became a staff again. These are the guys that we're dealing with here. So these are magicians, enchanters, also known as wise men. And they say, bro, just tell us the dream and like, we'll let you know what it means. Like, we'll give you the insight that you want. And the king in verse five answered and said to them, said to the Chaldeans, the word from me is firm. If you do not make known the dream and its interpretation to me, you shall be torn limb from limb and your houses shall be laid in ruins. Now, what does torn limb from limb mean? Anyone have a clue? Basically, it means you tie one arm to this neck of this horse, you tie this leg to the neck of this horse, then you tie this arm to the neck of this horse, and you tie this leg to the neck of that horse. And then you call the horses and they run in opposite directions and you get torn limb from, love the participation, limb from limb. What do you learn at church? How to dismember somebody, right? Your parents are like, you drove in the rain for 40 minutes to learn about Babylonian torture. Yes, that's what we did because we love Jesus, right? So he's like, oh, and by the way, your houses are also going to be burned down and to absolute rubble. And so these guys are like spinning out, right? They're freaking out. What would you do? You're like, okay, he's expecting me to read his mind, jump into his dream, which by the way is over. He had it last night. Jump into his dream, figure out what the dream was, and then come out with some interpretation of what that dream means. This is impossible. It would be like if we were to say, I don't know, Daria. Daria just got home from, where'd you move again? Idaho, she moved back to California, yay! It's like if Daria, I said, hey Daria, I had a dream last night. If you can't guess the dream, not just guess, but confirm the dream to me and then tell me the interpretation, you and everybody else here in HSM has to stay until you can figure it out. So we're gonna lock the doors, you cannot leave until she can figure out what I dreamt and what it means. The stakes are astronomical. So verse 10, the Chaldeans are like, um, there is not a man on earth who can meet the king's demand for no great and powerful king has asked such a thing of any magician or any enchanter or any Chaldean ever. The thing that the king asks is difficult and no one can show it to the king except the gods 
whose dwelling is not with the flesh. And this is just like, let's just jump out of Babylon for like two seconds. We live believing in a Jesus, in a God, in God, the God, who didn't say, I'm gonna stay in heaven and separate myself from my people. I'm actually gonna come down into flesh and I'm gonna walk amongst my own creation so I can fully understand and fully ascertain what it means to live this life. See, everybody else is God. Anyone else that tries to claim to you another God or another belief system or another truth cannot say that their God stepped into human form and lived their life. Jesus is the only one He's the only one who ever will be, he's the only one who ever was, who will walk as man walks and then change lives with him so that he would die the death that we once deserved. So it's just so cool to see that even pre-Jesus, before he even gets there, right? This is probably like 800 years before Jesus. They're like, listen, no man, no average human being can come up with what you're asking. Only the gods who won't even come down here and be with us in the flesh. Isn't it such good news that our God is just like us, yet at the same time, fully God? It's beautiful, beautiful. So verse 10 and 11, they're like freaking out. Daniel, Hananiah, Azariah, and Mishael end up finding out about the decree and realize that they're about to get torn limb from limb. So the stakes are incredibly high. And when it comes to speaking truth in our lives right now in 2024, when it comes to speaking truth, there will always be something at stake for you. It'll be your reputation. It'll be your status. It might be your standing in a certain leadership role. Something is always going to be at stake when it comes to speaking the truth. Why? Because the world, we just said it, the world is flowing out of fat, right? These rivers that are forming literally right now as I speak in the streets of Westlake and beyond, right? You don't want to be flowing up against that thing. You, it would be easier and less, it would cost less if not nothing to get swept away by the tide. But in Christ, we're called to swim against that stream. We're called to flow against the current. And so they realize, in verse 13, it says that they realize that the decree went out and that Daniel and his companions were going to be sought to be killed. So now they have a chance, okay? There's a chance on the table. Before there was the stakes, we talked about the stakes being super high, right? We divided this into three little sections. We have the stakes, which is if you cannot tell me the dream and its interpretation, you're done. The chance and this is gonna to happen to all of you at some point or another. Like I said, it maybe even will happen to you tonight when you go out to dinner with friends that there's gonna be a chance to either pick the world or to follow the Lord. So the chance is here. The chance is in verse 22. Daniel starts to bless the Lord so he realizes he's about to get killed if he doesn't do anything. But because he has established himself in relationship with the Lord. He becomes the answer to this impossible puzzle. He literally becomes the piece that is missing to this puzzle because he knows his God and he says so right here. It says in verse 22, he reveals, this is Daniel blessing the Lord. It says, he reveals the deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness 
and the light dwells in him. Daniel has spent time with God. Later in Daniel chapter 6, which we'll get to in a couple of weeks, when Daniel gets sought out because he's about to get thrown into the lion's den, he gets sought out on his patio because they know they can arrest Daniel where he's always at. Three times a day, it says that Daniel would go out on his balcony and he would worship towards Jerusalem and he would praise the Lord towards Jerusalem. They knew where to find him to arrest him. And I'm jumping way weeks ahead of myself, but they knew where to find him because he was always to be found with the Lord. And this started in early days, right? This is even when they said, hey, we want you to eat of the king's table. We want you to eat all the delicacies and all of the goodies and all of the treats, just like our marvelous table over there of treats, right? The donuts and the tangerines, which I brought out a bag of tangerines this morning and all of them were moldy. So thank God I did not put those ones out. But the, the, there was Valentine's Day ding-dongs over there earlier. Like all the delicacies, which you would naturally think like, oh, that's tasty, that's good, that's what I'm gonna have. And Daniel, because he knew his God, listened to the Lord when he said, hey, I want you to have vegetables and water only. Vegetables and water. And just watch what I do with your obedience in this thing. So Daniel, again, speaks out. This is what Drew talked about last week. And he says, we're not going to have the king's food. We're going to eat the vegetables and water. And they were more efficient in mind. They looked better. They could perform better. They were physically stronger to do the tasks that were asked of them as servants of the palace in Babylon. He, he knew where to go. When the chance to pick faith in his God or faith in the world When the chance came up, Daniel knew where to go. And this is why we urge you, urge you to have a relationship with Jesus, a personal, one-on-one, you and him relationship with Jesus. So that when the chance comes for you to either stay silent or to speak up, you can speak up because you know your God. You know that your God is the revealer of deep and hidden things, right? You know the character of God. You know, you're going to say to him, Lord, you know what is in the darkness, and you, I know that the light dwells with you so that wherever you lead me, Lord, it will be into light. So because Daniel knows where to go, he actually spares the lives of the wise men. Because the thing that God asks you to do, you guys, isn't just going to be a blessing for you. It's going to bless everyone around you. And so he goes before the king, excuse me, not the king. He goes before a man named Arioch in verse 24. And it says, therefore, Daniel went into Arioch, which is the guy who, who the king had appointed to destroy the wise men of Babylon. And he said this to them. He said, do not destroy the wise men of Babylon. Bring me in before the king and I will show the king the interpretation. So the stakes are like through the roof. The chance is now, the only opportunity for these guys to be saved and not torn limb from limb. The only opportunity, the only chance is for Daniel to rely on the one source that he knows is most faithful in the world and that is the Lord. So he goes, put it all on me. Who does that sound a lot like? Right? Jesus said, Father, put it all on me. I'll take all of it. Daniel's what we call a type and shadow of Jesus. 
He's a, he's a mirror of what Jesus was going to become. So Daniel says, put it all on me. I'll spare all of them. I'll risk my own life to spare all of the wise men. So let's talk about the dream, right? We, we got to know what the dream is now because Nebuchadnezzar has the dream. Daniel literally goes before Ariok without even having the interpretation yet and goes, I'll tell, I'll tell him what it is. So now let's find out what the dream actually was. Between verses 31 and 45, we're not going to read all of them, but between verses 30, 31 and 45, Nebuchadnezzar dreams of a statue made of all sorts of different elements. This statue has a head made of gold, a neck made of silver, a chest made of bronze, legs made of iron, and feet made of iron mixed with clay. And so Daniel says, he goes, I got it. I know exactly what you dreamt, right? He goes before Nebuchadnezzar and he says, I know what you saw. You saw a head of gold, a neck of silver, a body of bronze, legs of iron, and you saw feet that were iron and clay mixed together. Now, what does that mean to anybody, right? Right now, it's just a, like a, I just picture like, because the only thing I can think of is this thinking chocolate bunny from the VeggieTales, right? It's like this little chocolate bar that's like got all the different wrapping colors down it, right? So we've got this statue, which means nothing. And then Daniel says, oh, and by the way, you saw a stone that was carved from by hand and you saw that stone cut down the statue and then the stone, after the statue fell, the stone became a mountain and the mountain filled up the whole earth. So this makes no sense to anybody. And we actually at this point don't even know if that's what he saw. But Daniel's like, I'm not even gonna stop and wait for approval, I'm just gonna keep going. Here's the interpretation. He said, King Nebuchadnezzar, you are the head of gold. He said, this statue represents the kingdoms that are now and are to come. Your head of gold is the kingdom that you are currently running. He said, the kingdom after you is of silver. That makes up the neck. Then he said, the kingdom to come after that is the bronze torso. And then down the legs is, a is another kingdom, a fourth kingdom made of iron. And then the mixture of iron and clay is the fifth kingdom that gets divided and fights against itself. And so he looks at all those elements and he says, your kingdom right now actually has the highest value. The kingdom coming after you is less valuable than the kingdom that is currently running, right? Because gold is more expensive than silver. Silver is more expensive than bronze and so on and so forth down the body. And he says, iron and clay do not mix. And so the kingdoms, the fifth kingdom that comes after you is actually going to be divided. They're going to try to marry with each other and it's not going to work. And he says, but King Nebuchadnezzar, this stone, he says, this stone that was carved by hand that cuts you down is actually a stone that turns into a mountain that becomes a kingdom that will not be shaken, a kingdom that cannot be altered, a kingdom that will never leave the earth. And who was the stone that the builders rejected? The chief cornerstone, right? It's Jesus. Daniel's literally telling the most, the most ruthless, ruthless, Lord have mercy, the most ruthless, just torturous, evil man who just promised to kill thousands of people off of an impossible task. 
He just told him, he said, by the way, everything you're building right now is gonna come to absolute nothing. And a man that is created from God and man is gonna come in and cut it all down and create a kingdom that will never fail. What do you have to say about that? Right? He basically just slapped Nebuchadnezzar in the face and said, oh yeah, everything you're doing right now and all of your sons that will come after you will never accomplish anything in the sight of this kingdom that will never fail. Right? So he sees this vision of what's going to happen. And so this dream is what we would call in 2024 a hot take, just to make it a little relatable. Right? This dream is a super hot take. It's not like, oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, you're so incredible, and you're so amazing, and you're the head of gold, and all the other ones just suck, but you're incredible, right? He doesn't just do that. He gives him the dream, and he gives him the interpretation, and he speaks up when everybody else was silent. Right now, it's easy for you guys to hear me because none of you are talking. Praise the Lord. Everybody's listening. I hope. But... If all of the noise were to rumble up right now in this room, it would be harder to hear me talk, right? So it's easy to speak up when others are also speaking up. It's not easy to stand before a king that you know just promised your head on a platter and tell him that everything he's working for is gonna fail. That's not an easy thing to do. Yet who was at Daniel's back, backing him up the entire time? It was the Lord, right? The Lord. I actually want to even turn to the blessing really fast. In Daniel chapter two, we're going to read this blessing together. I'm going off my notes, so just give me a second to get there. But Daniel chapter two, where it says, hold on, my iPad is being slow. Okay, Daniel chapter two, and let's go to this blessing that Daniel gives the Lord, because this is what people are going to need one day. Yeah, we can offer them advice. Yeah, when you guys have discipleship meetings and one-on-ones with leaders, we can give you some really good advice, whether that's relationship advice or school advice or college advice or whatever. But the best thing we could ever offer you in this ministry is a charge and a call to action to go home to the secret place with your God so that you can hear from him and come HSM or high water, you have a relationship that is steadfast. When you go to college, when the temptations are literally banging at your dorm room door, when sin is trying to wash over you like a flood, that you have someone to go back to that you could say this exact same thing of them of the Lord. Verse 20, it said, blessed be the name of God forever and ever, for wisdom and might are his. And he changes the times and the seasons. He removes kings and raises up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. I thank you and praise you, O God of my fathers, that you have given me wisdom and might and now made known to me what we have asked of you, for you have made known to us the king's demands. Daniel knows the father. He knows his character. He knows his ways. 
When you guys spend time with Jesus, you're going to learn his ways. You're going to learn his character. You're going to have someone to lean back on when life is trying to pound you with, oh, just go this way, right? This is what the Bible says. It says, wide is the path to destruction, but narrow. Narrow is the way that leads, that leads to life. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't easy for Daniel to stand up and say this. It wasn't easy for Daniel to speak up while everyone else was quiet. Not just quiet because they were like, oh yeah, we'll let him, we'll let him talk this time. They were quiet because they thought they were gonna die. And I wouldn't wanna be the one who stood up in front of all the magicians of Babylon and said, hey, let's just bank it on my interpretation. He knew that he knew that he knew that God had revealed this dream and its interpretation to him, which made him bold. Daniel's boldness, because of his boldness, he saved lives, he revealed truth, and he glorified God. The boldness that is going to be demanded of your life because you have said yes to Jesus. You guys, if I was talking to a room of just high schoolers, not Christian high schoolers, not people who drove here in a rainstorm to hear about Jesus. Okay, let's be real. You guys are like the realest ones because you came here. I know there's other people, beautiful people that we love that couldn't make it here tonight for various reasons, but you guys are here. You drove in the rain, scary, right? You drove in the rain to come hear about Jesus. So you're like, I'm preaching to the choir here. But if I was standing up in front of a group of just high schoolers, they, I would have nothing to tell them. I would have no advice to give them that would offer them results like this. Lives being spared, truth being revealed, and God being glorified. Because they can't find themselves in the secret place with the Most High. They cannot use a book that was written thousands of years ago by hundreds of authors that has never been contradicted. They don't have that backing. They don't have that oomph behind them. They don't have a personal relationship with the one who reached into their mother's womb and said, I'm going to create you. Like the baby that was born 35 minutes ago who I get to hold tomorrow, praise the Lord Jesus, right? That baby that was just born, she's not just an accident. God reached into my best friend and said, I'm gonna make this girl. And one day she's probably gonna come to HSM and visit. And in 30 years, she's gonna have a family of her own where I'm gonna reach into her and I'm gonna create another generation of people who love Jesus. And over and over and over again, this process is gonna repeat itself. But if I was just talking to a group of random people, a bunch of your classmates that know nothing about Jesus, there's never gonna be a time when I can offer them anything but him to get results like this. Do you know that it was because of Jesus' sacrifice that lives were spared? It was because of Jesus' life and lived at the feet of the throne of God that truth was revealed. And it was because of Jesus' death that God was glorified. Guys, let that be our name up there. Because of Ethan's boldness, right? Because of Jackson's boldness, because of Duncan's boldness, because of Alyssa's boldness, lives were spared. Truth was revealed. God was glorified. I don't want to stay silent anymore. Even Jesus, when they brought the woman who was 
caught in the act of adultery, and the band can come up right now because I forgot to say that a second ago. But even when Jesus stooped before the woman who was caught in the midst of adultery, right? And he said, if any of you don't have sin, you can throw the first stone at her, which basically meant he was the only one who could throw a stone at her. But he was completely countercultural to everything that they had been taught. And he, he looked into her eyes, instead of stoning her, which he had the right to do, he looked into her eyes and he said, go and sin no more, your sins are forgiven. This life isn't just to be blessed ourselves, you guys. It's, it's to be a beautiful garden around us of people who get to also experience and taste and see that the Lord is good. In verse 46 of Daniel chapter 2, it says, Then Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering of incense be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, Daniel, truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Can anybody look at your life, any bystander, any close person, look at your life and say, your God is God of gods? Right, The man who was the golden head on the statue, the one who was so self-righteous that later he builds a hundred-foot statue of himself. He had a moment of clarity because of Daniel's boldness to speak up when everybody else was quiet. And he said, truly, your God is exactly who he says he is. Can we be put under the microscope like that? And people look into that microscope and go, oh my gosh, Malachi's God is exactly who she said he would be. Grace's God is exactly who she said he would be. That his character lines up completely with the way she's been talking about him and I can't even see him. It's not time to stay silent anymore. Especially with the way the world is right now. Culture is telling you to sell your soul to get every accolade that the world has to offer. Money, fame, fortune, influence, all that stuff. And Jesus says, get low. Get low before your Father. Spend time. Live a quiet life. Do what I ask you to do. And you will reap every reward I have for you in this life and the life to come. So our declaration for tonight is, yes, I will speak up when others are silent. It's not going to be easy. It's not going to be comfortable. But this is why he sent the Holy Spirit, who is the comforter. Now it makes sense. It's like, oh, why is he called the comforter? Because this life demands some uncomfort. Discomfort. Uncomfort's not a word. I know. But that's what this life demands. And you don't have to do it in your own strength. You do it in his strength because the joy of the Lord is your strength. So I'm going to pray for us and we're going to worship. But use this time of worship, right? There's, we got a lot of room. You can spread out tonight, truly. You can use the prayer wall. We're going to have Grace and JD in the back to pray with you if you want to pray with somebody in person. 
right? We have live and love as an opportunity to meet with people and whatever. This week, we do not have live and love. Let's be very clear. But in weeks to come, we will have live and love where you can do that. But let's not miss the moment that God is percolating right now where he's saying, will you hand me discomfort? Will you hand me all your boldness and all of your courage so that I can mold it and shape it into the person that could stand before a ruthless king and that king could see me through you. Use that time, use the space, just hang out with the spirit of God because he is not far away. He is right here in this room with us. He is beautiful, he is majestic, and he is perfect in all of his ways. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we just thank you and we lift up your name high tonight. High, high, high do we lift your name, Jesus. Jesus, you are worthy to be praised. You are worthy to be sought. We choose to seek your face tonight, Jesus. That, Father, every time there's a chance or an opportunity to share who you are and share why you made us to be the way we are, every time, Lord Jesus, that we would have the boldness and the courage by your grace to choose you and to speak up for you. Jesus, there is nobody like you. There is no one more worthy of all of our affection. So receive our praise tonight as an offering of incense. Lord, we love you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope that was a blessing to you. You can connect with us on social media at Calvary HSM 805 on Instagram or on our website. God bless you.